Good morning, everyone, and all of you who are at home. May I encourage you to get out your Bibles again, and we're going to read the sermon reading, which is taken from John chapter 3, verses 1 through to 36. Just a few short verses this morning. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Verily, truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sounds, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, We speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come to the world, but people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear of their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptised. Now John also baptising at Enon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were coming to be baptised. This was before John was in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of a ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptising and everyone is going to him. 
To this, John replied, A person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am one sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to be here this morning uh, with you. Um, as I was introduced, my name's Elliot, and I'm the children's minister here, and uh, it's great that we can open God's word together. Uh, it would be helpful to have your Bibles open at uh, that passage, uh, and just, uh, just so that you're aware, I'm going to focus on the first 21 verses, um, but it's always helpful to read uh, the whole passage in context. Uh, I'll pray for us as we get into this part of God's word. Heavenly Father, how sweet are your words to our taste. It's sweeter than honey to our mouths. We gain understanding from what you have written to us. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So Father, as we look at John 3 together today, we pray that you'll teach us from your word and shape us and mould us into the likeness of Jesus. Amen. Well, this week... I had to go to an expert. I had to take my car to a mechanic to hopefully get my car passed for registration. Uh, this is always a touch and go uh, moment for me, a 20-year-old car. You never know what's going to happen. On the outside, it looks okay. Uh, it feels good to drive, uh, but it's just always nervous uh, what the mechanic is going to say the cost or the damage might be. And as I was talking to the mechanic, he was kind of taking me through all the things, and thankfully it was only two things that needed to be uh, fixed that day uh, to get it safe and sound uh, for driving. But what would happen, I was thinking, if this mechanic was fixing my car and he actually didn't know what the problem was or if he hadn't seen this problem before, uh, what would he do? Would he have to look it up and, and read it in a book? Maybe he would do that. Or maybe he would go and see a, a senior mechanic and ask for advice there. Well, that's uh, kind of what we're seeing today. We're meeting a man named Nicodemus, who is certainly an expert of the law of Moses and the teachings of the Old Testament. But he has questions. He's pondering the teachings of Jesus. And so rather than just sitting with those questions, he comes to Jesus at night and asks him those questions. So it'd be helpful to have uh, John 3 open. We're going to refer uh, through the talk here. So let's meet Nicodemus. 
Nicodemus, uh, as a profession, is roughly equivalent to a judge, a university professor, a senator, all kind of rolled into one. And so this is the kind of reputation that he has. He's a very important person uh, in, the, in the Jewish community. And so with this reputation to protect, he comes to Jesus at night and he diplomatically makes a very careful statement in verse 2. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Now Jesus' reply here to Nicodemus is very direct. He doesn't reassure him that he's kind of on the right track with who Jesus is, but he does tell Jesus, uh, Nicodemus, sorry, that neither he will see or enter God's kingdom unless he has a total new birth, a revolutionary new start. But as we've seen many times in John's Gospel, and as we'll continue to see in many times um, as John's Gospel goes on, Nicodemus takes Jesus literally. He is speaking figuratively, but Nicodemus takes him seriously. And he asks a question, how can a man enter a mother's womb to be born again? How is that possible? But this question actually gives Jesus a really nice opportunity, a really nice op a moment that he can have with Nicodemus to talk about this new birth. So Jesus goes on to explain to Nicodemus that this new birth is from above. It's from a, the spirit. Just like Nicodemus had no part to play with his own physical birth, so he doesn't have any part in his spiritual birth. Now, you would think that as a Pharisee, an expert of the law, that Nicodemus would know a little bit about what Jesus has been talking about. He certainly knew his scriptures. He knew that God was going to do more than what he could possibly imagine because he followed the law and he saw that the things that God was saying and the things that God had promised. But he might not have known that new, about new birth, but he certainly knew that God was going to radically change his people. You see, there's an example in Ezekiel um, that Nicodemus would have known quite well. And Ezekiel 36 says this, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So God's spirit is the sovereign giver of this birth. And like the wind is outside of our control, and like the wind, we can kind of see the effects that it has when it blows the trees, we can see it sway in the breeze. We may not see the effect of the spirit having, uh, but we, can, we may not see it um, on the outside, but we know that the spirit is working in the hearts of those who believe. This concept of new life for us, as we read John's gospel, is echoed in the words uh, that we've read earlier in, in this series, in John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. 
And they say, Yet to all who, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of human's will, but born of God. So those who will see and enter God's kingdom are those who by the grace of God will celebrate two birthdays, one physical and one spiritual. That's certainly true for me. Um, I, I celebrate two birthdays, one on 30th of April, that's my actual birthday. You can make note of that and buy me a present later. Uh, but also uh, I became a Christian on the 2nd of December 2000. So I'm a 21 year old Christian this year. And I'm sure we've all had those kind of experiences where we can kind of pinpoint a time in our lives where we uh, decided to take God seriously. Or maybe if you haven't, um, uh, God's word is a, a great place to start to think through those things. So what about for us then? What does this all have to say? Well, what we learn from Nicodemus is that you can be the most qualified religious expert and still miss the truth of what Jesus is saying to us. You might have attended Sunday school your whole life. Maybe you went to youth group. Maybe you've been to church, uh, community groups, uh, but you still can miss the point. I certainly read the Bible and, and, and miss things all the time and then read it again and go, wow, how did I miss that in the first time I read it? New birth is something that we don't do ourselves. It is something that God has done for us, no matter how worthy or unworthy we may feel. And that's a wonderful truth for us all to reflect upon. But Nicodemus, he's still stuck on the idea of being born again. And so he goes on to ask, how can this be? How is this still possible? Firstly, Jesus says to Nicodemus that you should know. You're one of Israel's teachers and you should know these things. We've promised it all the way through uh, the Old Testament. Jesus, on the other hand, he reassures Nicodemus and says, well, on the other hand, luckily for you and thankfully for you, I do know because I am the one who has come from the Father. So often in life, we can have such a limited perspective, but Jesus, who has come from the Father, who was with God from the very beginning, sees the whole big picture. I used to watch my mum doing those cross stitches and uh, as a kid, you would sit on her lap and you could see from below this ugly mess from below. But it's not until you actually see it from above that you can see the beautiful picture of what's happening. And sometimes that can be uh, us, and it's certainly the case for Nicodemus. Jesus sees our sin. He sees Nicodemus's, and he sees his capacity to obey the law. And so we see that what he really needs is for God to act in his life. And Jesus knows that new birth comes through the, living, uh, the lifting up of the sun. And then he goes on to use a story that I'm sure Nicodemus is very familiar with. He uses a story of a time in uh, Israel's history that as they're traveling through the desert, 
they kind of get into this kid mode moment. They're dragging their feet, they're whining to their parents, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, are we there yet? It's not fair. We were far better off in Egypt. That's not true, is it? They certainly have a very short memory of how their life was back then. And so God uses something to demonstrate how they should trust in him. He sends these snakes among them and they start biting people and, and some Israelites die. And the people, they start to see what's going on around them and they, they go to Moses and they say, go to God, pray, pray to God, ask him to take these things away. We know that these things are happening to us because we're, we're disobeying him. And then this is what happens in Numbers 21. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it up on the pole. And when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This is a strange story, isn't it? It's kind of like putting something on your head will cure the common cold. And if you walk around and look a bit silly, that's okay, but that's the cure, isn't it? Snakes in the Bible are also interesting. Are they good? Are they bad? We, we have all of these different things. But what this story does demonstrate is that it's not in our own that we need to trust and rely on. It is God. We need to trust in God and his plans, even when his plans may look uh, silly or hard at the time. And so just as the people of the Old Testament needed to look to the bronze snake and recognise the justice that God was paying. So those who look to Jesus will receive the gift of love. They will receive the gift of eternal life. Because Jesus' death and resurrection, we need to recognise that that was the way that God chooses, chooses to take the punishment for our sin. And we, like Nicodemus, we're condemned already. We're born in a state of spiritual death and we remain there until we are born again. But Jesus has good news for us and Nicodemus in verse 16. And this is one of the most famous verses in the Bible, I reckon. There are so many songs written uh, about it. There are so many times where we refer to it uh, in kids' ministry. And certainly if you talk to anyone who has had anything to do with Christian things, I think most people would be able to say this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This verse is the very essence of the gospel. I kind of like to think of it as the Bible in miniature. This summarises the whole Bible in one verse. But it's also a much-loved verse, but it's also pretty shocking when you come to think of it. God loves the unlovable world, the world that rejects him and hates him. He loves it so much that he gives his dearest and best. 
That's pretty shocking, isn't it? But it's also good news for us. The difference between life and condemnation is belief in Jesus. In verse 15, 16 and 18, you'll notice that we see a few things here. That everyone who believes, that whoever believes, whoever believes in him. Salvation is not just for elite few. It's not for the wealthy or the clever. It's not for the, the Pharisees. Or, or the religious, it's for everyone. And it's vital that we believe in Jesus. That's, pretty that's made pretty clear there. But even in this, God receives all the glory. For such belief doesn't come without him enabling it. So what does it look like to believe in Jesus? Because we can see that you can kind of believe in God and still miss the point, as the example there in Nicodemus. So it's got to be more than just a head knowledge, doesn't it? To believe is to rely, is to depend, and to trust. And I think this is the clearest proof that a person has been born again from above by the Spirit. So... John 3.16. Let's just take a moment now and personalise this verse for us. I really love it and I would hate for us just to skip over this verse and not see uh, what it means for us. So as we read it, I want you to insert your name uh, in this verse. So I'm going to read it and just quietly in your two selves uh, say your own name. God so loved... Elliot, that he gave his one and only son, that when Elliot believes in him, Elliot will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a beautiful truth, isn't it? And lastly, in verses 19 to 21, Jesus comes to a conclusion. Uh, he helpfully points it out there and, and, and says, this is the verdict. I guess as we read these verses, it's kind of like Jesus is saying, if you haven't heard it the first time to Nicodemus, here it is again in a very succinct, shortened version, just in case you missed what I was saying. This story from John 3 serves as a warning sign for those who have ears to hear. It's like a movie that I watched a few years ago called Bruce Almighty. Uh, Bruce is this guy who's a, a newscaster. He can't get a promotion. He's frustrated with his life. Uh, he's desperate one day in the rain, uh, driving fast. He has these prayer beads that his girlfriend of the time gave to him, and he's, he's desperate. He's got nowhere else to turn, so he just says, hey, I'll just give God a go. And he prays with these beads and he's asking for a sign. And then all of a sudden, this ute is in front of him with all of these signs in front of him. Stop, wrong way, go back, don't go this way. Seconds later, bam, he hits this pole. 
he misses the sign that's in front of him completely because he's looking for something else. Signs point us in the right direction or it shows us that something is coming. And in those verses 19 to 21, Jesus refers to light. Light also points us and directs us and shows us where we're going. And light is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Especially if you think of it from a child's perspective. They're lying in bed in the middle of the night. Maybe they can't fall asleep. And their imagination is going wild. They're they're seeing things coming out of their bed or in the wardrobe. But as soon as they call out to their parents and turn on the light, their hearts are calm again. They can see that it was just their imagination and as a parent, there's nothing more beautiful than being able to point those things out to them and calm them down and get them back to sleep to help them feel safe again. Light reveals the truth and exposes what is hidden. And this, according to verse 19, is the reason why people reject Jesus. They reject his life and his teaching because it exposes every single thing that a person has done and the things that they do that is morally wrong. People prefer to hide in darkness rather than be exposed by the light. Our culture kind of celebrates the hiding from the light, I think. Uh, We like to do what is good for us, no matter what other people think. As long as it feels nice to you personally, who cares what anyone else thinks? As long as it's feeling good and not hurting anyone else, just do it. So the verdict that Jesus leaves for people gives people a choice. Our problem is sin and darkness. We can try and fix it by ourselves, but that's as possible as being born again physically. Or we can leave it to the expert. He's the one that shows us that through his death and rising to new life, we also can have new life in his name. And he is the only one who is qualified to take away the sins of the whole world. And that's Jesus, God's King, our Saviour. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that the word of God reveals our true spiritual need. Thank you that the good news of the gospel is so clearly laid out in scripture. Thank you that we have been given a bird's eye view into the teaching of new life given to Nicodemus and to us because of your great love for the world. Thank you for our spiritual birth into this world, but also the opportunity to be born again and to become a child of God through faith in Christ. Amen.